We base almost entirely how healthy you are on your total cholesterol number, and it says little to nothing about your actual health. <laughs> go back up and look at the inputs. Go, go look at the source and see what is messing up the system and causing these bad outputs. That's the topic of today's Body Mind Performance podcast, and our guest is Craig Emmerich. He's a nutrition author and also known as the Keto Dad. If, if you've already got a lot of body fat on your body, your body is high fat. We're going to talk about how the modern health industry has practically lied to you. It's not just a failure, it's actually corruption in that the sugar industry paid all these scientists to generate studies in the 70s that pointed the finger at fat as the enemy for heart disease when they knew it was sugar. So let's delve into the world of debunking some nutrition myths. Do you want to know what it is? Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about what made you become an author about nutrition? Yeah, um, it's a, kind of a long journey. I started out my career as an electrical engineer um, and went into electrical engineering, moved on from there to product management for a lot of years. And product management's an interesting role in that you have to deeply understand the technology of what's going on of the products, but then translate that into a language that's easy to understand for, you know, users, for sales staff and those, those kind of things. Um, so that was an interesting role for me. And I think it kind of primed me for this role in nutrition. And what happened was uh, my wife, Maria, started down this path a number of years before me. She started researching, she went to school uh, for health and human performance and started writing books and cookbooks and gained a lot of success. And it got to the point where I was kind of the guy behind the scenes, keeping the website going, our blog, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then it just made sense for me to start working for our business. And so I left my field and did this full time. And that freed up a lot of time for me to study and have a deeper understanding of our biology, how our bodies work. And I've basically, you know, the past six years or so been doing that 100% of the time. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, some aspects of the systems we are thinking, they're very applicable to understanding the human body. Definitely, I, I can definitely That's see right. some application in there. And, and you also mentioned your wife, Maria, and she's also a best-selling author in, yes. in, in the ketogenic diet. So what I, like about is, what I like about authors like you and Maria is that you, like, you empower people, the people with the knowledge that is actually practical and applicable in their everyday life. And it's actually like more congruent with, it's more, more uh, realistic or more applicable than the common recommendations we get by the general health and fitness industry. Definitely. You know, that, that's part of it too, is we like to make it really easy to understand and apply to your life. So you, we take some very complicated topics. You know, when you look at the biochemistry of the body, it's extremely complicated. But if you 
if you're able to boil it down and understand the basics of how you can leverage that to make yourself healthier and to lose weight and reach your goals, that's what we try to do is boil it down, make it easy to understand. And then Maria is amazing at creating these innovative recipes that allow you to have the things you want, your traditional comfort foods, uh, but just tweak it a little bit. So take out you know, the higher carb ingredients, add something else that mimics the flavor and texture. And she's just great at that. Yeah, it's, it's true. Like you have to keep it simple and that's yep. where the beauty is. And, and um, I'm carrying on from my previous point is that, you know, like it's, it's almost as if the state and the government, they have kind of failed at giving the people the right advice about what the, what, what's healthy and what not. As we see, yep. you know, we have more obese people than ever before. And uh, absolutely, you, you you talked about this in your in your book about how what are the failures of modern nutritional guidance. You know, can you tell us a little bit about what's the most common misconceptions you talked there? It, yeah, you know, there's so first of all, what's very disturbing, and I kind of lay out in the first chapter is there's it's not just a failure; it's actually uh, corruption in that the sugar industry. Uh, paid all these scientists to generate studies in the 70s that pointed the finger at fat as the enemy for heart disease when they knew it was sugar and they were trying to mislead and basically take the spotlight off themselves and put it on fat and they succeeded. We've spent 50, 60 years fearing fat because of it and that is the saddest part to me is that it wasn't just a fear and understanding, it was a manipulation that drove much of it. First of all, it's very slow to move. It's very slow to change to new science and new things that are coming out. They have their standards of care. They kind of stick with them until it's like this overflow where finally the standards change. Um, but, you know, they need all this information. But the problem is uh, the way the whole health, health industry is set up today is it's kind of looking at the downstream effects and it never goes back up. Again, this engineering standpoint, systems perspective of it. Go back up and look at the inputs. Go, go look at the source and see what is messing up the system and causing these bad outputs, right? Now all they do, uh, majority of what is done in America is they look at the outputs, the symptoms, and they put a Band-Aid on that output with a medication, a prescription. They never go back up and try to address the source of the problem. Yeah, yeah it's that's, true. It's true. Yeah. That's the biggest problem I see in the healthcare industry right now and that there's an old parable that uh, there's this, these uh, people standing by a river and they see a person drowning in the river. So they go and they save them. And then they see another person drowning and they save them and they say, okay, let's set up tents and let's get a big facility here to pull all the people out of the river that are drowning. Mm. Finally, somebody comes along and says, why don't we go up river and find out why everybody's falling in? Go back to the source of the problem, and that's what we've got to do to reverse this trend in healthcare. True, true. Like, uh, like you mentioned, there's some corruption in in this uh, field of medicine, and one of the most recent ones I recall is the is the coconut oil scandal of uh, yeah. of the American Heart Association and uh, trying to villainize yeah. coconut oil and saturated fat and causing it's 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 uh, it's causing heart disease and whatnot, but. And when, yeah, you, it, when you look at the studies they did, it was funded by these big, big corporations like Kraft or 
Uh, the Japs might have poisoned the coconuts. They poisoned a billion coconuts? And it is, and it, it, that's the sad truth is, especially with a lot of studies, the sad truth is you got to follow the money, see where, see where they were funded, and that'll tell you a lot, a lot of times. Yeah, and like you mentioned, like the, there's this tendency to not see the bigger picture. Like, of course, if you combine fat with the standard American diet with high amounts of sugar and processed carbs, then of course it's going to be bad for your health. But the, exactly. But the studies, they don't actually differentiate between a ketogenic diet a low carb diet or even the you know the standard western diet they just put it all under the same category yeah and that's the thing you know context is always key right and in a lot of these studies you see uh from from the vegetarian or vegan community against meat being a problem if you look at those studies um first of all a lot of times they're observational so they say okay fill out this assessment of what you ate in the last year well, you tell me how accurately you could assess what you ate in the last year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not very, you know, concrete evidence, number one. But number two, you look, gotta look at the confounding points like you point out. You know, the, one of their metrics was people who ate more burgers and fast food had higher cancer. So it must be the meat, right, that's mm -hmm. causing the higher cancer. Well, could it be the french fries and the bun and the shake that they had with it that was maybe causing the issues and not necessarily the meat you know and so it's those kind of things that you know it always the devil's always in the details for mm. studies like that definitely and it might also be like that the hot dog meat isn't actual meat but it's it's some some sort yeah. of some, some sort That's, of combination yeah. <laughs> quality of the source of the pr proteins is a is a huge component as well yeah what you also mentioned in your book was the disease tree of of of, mm. of of this problem of curing the symptoms not the root cause of the health issues so what is the disease tree and what, how does it look like yeah i owe some credit for that to ivor cummings i don't know if you know he is he's out of uh, ireland another engineer uh doing great work on root cause of disease um he had a little simplified version of that in a slide of his and I said that's a great analogy for getting back again to those sources those root causes to to reverse disease and so this disease tree is basically you know the trunk of the tree is like your hormone signaling insulin kind of those master hormones that kind of control a lot of function um, but they are influenced by a lot of inputs uh, and the output of that is the leaves and the leaves are the end result, which could be health or in many cases it can be cancer, it can be metabolic disease, Alzheimer's, all of these things that can result from having poor inputs at the root, the root problems. The root causes like enough sleep, not enough exercise, you know, too many carbs in your diet, uh, not getting enough sunlight, so environment type of things. Uh, circadian rhythm, those type of things, all these things that are inputs to your body that get this end result that can get skewed if the inputs are wrong. Hmm. Yeah, like there are definitely a ton of misconceptions. So why don't we start uh, debunking some of them or at least you know investigating? Sure. What, what can you tell us about the cholesterol and fat consumption? What's, what's <laughs> the main uh, misconception there? Yeah, that's that's a huge one. And going back to the failures of the healthcare industry, there we 
in America anyway, we base almost entirely how healthy you are on your total cholesterol number. And it says little to nothing about your actual health. <laughs> and it doesn't even say, says little to nothing about your coronary artery health, which is what they, is the big uh, reason to do that test. Um, there's, cholesterol is not the enemy. Inflammation is the enemy. Inflammation, chronic inflammation in the body is a stem of so many of these diseases. They can be caused by a wide range of things. You know, too much sugar causing inflammation, uh, too much omega-6, you know, vegetable type oils that cause inflammation, get oxidized, causing inflammation in the body. You know, all these sources of inflammation lead to chronic disease when you're chronically inflamed. Uh, and if you go back to the coronary artery disease, which is the intent of, you know, cholesterol, uh, you have to first have inflammation, which causes a lesion in the artery wall, that then the cholesterol who's really just a firefighter coming to put the fire out, trying to patch. I mean, think about it. If you put a hole in your drywall, what are you gonna do? You're gonna get some spackle and you're gonna patch the hole up, right? In the artery, they get this, if you get this lesion, your body wants to patch that hole so you don't die, right? Mm -hmm. So it puts cholesterol in there, starts to calcify it to, to cover it up, cover up this lesion or hole. Um, but the problem is with chronic inflammation, you get more and more lesions and more and more plaque and it builds up and becomes a problem. It's not the cholesterol that caused it, it's the inflammation that caused it. Through concentration, I can raise and lower my cholesterol at will. Is there a difference like between LDL and HDL cholesterol as well? Which one is the good one and the bad one? Well, personally, I don't think either are bad. Uh, there is no bad cholesterol. There's no, uh, you know, if you go back even, there's so many uh, studies out there that can show, you know, there's WHO health data on all-cause death with total cholesterol. And for women and men, the higher the total cholesterol, the less overall death rates. Mm. The, the, the lines like this, and the higher the cholesterol, the, the less de overall death rates. So you look at overall death, wow. Alzheimer's, cancer, all of these things, because low cholesterol is a problem too. You start getting big increases in cancer, in uh, depression, in mood issues, all of these things, because cholesterol makes healthy hormones. Mm. All of our hormones begin with cholesterol as a substrate. And so if you have low cholesterol levels, your hormones get thrown off. Definitely. So again, it's not pointing, it's not an enemy. It's, it's a vital thing for your body. And even going back to infancy, breast milk, breast milk is high in cholesterol. Yeah. Everybody would agree that's the perfect food for a baby, right? Mm. Well, <laughs> it's high in cholesterol. So, I mean, if you don't get it in your diet, your liver just has to make it, which puts an extra load on your liver to supply the cholesterol the body needs. Why would you want to raise your cholesterol? So I can lower it. Yeah, like eating more cholesterol won't, won't raise your cholesterol levels. Yeah, that's been shown over and over. No matter how much cholesterol in the diet, it doesn't affect cholesterol levels in the blood. And also like your brain is actually made of primarily cholesterol as well, I believe. Yep. Yep, uh, cholesterol and saturated fat. So, and it's it's funny to think about how many egg yolks have been thrown away 
over the past few decades just because people think they're doing so that they're doing their health a service when in reality they're actually wasting away these the most nutrient dense part of the egg so exactly that's where all not just the cholesterol but all the other nutrients are yeah. in that part and that's the part you want I, I saw somebody post on my Facebook while they had like a couple of eggs and like six egg yolks they were making an omelet and there's they put a tag on it that they're giving their liver a break today yeah because doesn't have to make all the cholesterol today it's gonna <laughs> come from the diet and, and, and in fact the egg whites are more dangerous than the egg yolks because they're the ones that kind of raise insulin and they also have the most potential danger for the aller allergic reactions as well so yeah yeah typically it's the the whites that cause allergic reactions so mm. they make good eggs but uh, what are some other biomarkers everyone should pay attention to in addition to their cholesterol well, there's some really important ones uh, that I can really give you a under good understanding of your health. Uh, back to the you know cholesterol relationship of with inflammation. Inflammation is a stem of many diseases, chronic inflammation. So getting something like a CRP test, C-reactive protein, that's a marker for inflammation. Um, you typically want to be two or less, ideally one or less. That indicates you have very low inflammation in your body, and that's a that's where you want to be. Um, another one is A1C, that gives you a marker of your average blood sugar over the last three to four months. Mm -hmm. So controlling blood sugars is important for controlling inflammation. You know, if you're chronically spiking your blood sugar and the insulin response, and that can cause inflammation. Um, so having a low A1C is a great thing. So anything below 5.4 is good. Ideally, you want to be below 5 on your A1C. That shows you have good blood sugar control. Um, another great one is uh, the CAC test. The cal uh, Ivor, Ivor is big on the uh, calcium score test. Um, this is where you do an MRI scan of the heart mm. and the coronary arteries. Now, this is a true marker of coronary artery disease because it's directly measuring the plaque in your arteries. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at cholesterol, oh, cholesterol is high, your risk is high for heart disease. It, time and time again, we get examples from uh, clients where one we just got recently, um, her husband's a doctor who always had very low uh, cholesterol levels. She has always had high cholesterol levels from the traditional standpoint. He's been in the like 170s total cholesterol. She was in the 300s. Mm. Um, they got she convinced him to get a calcium score done because um, she's been eating keto for a number of, of years. Mm. She got her calcium score done, and with an average, you know, having total cholesterol in the 300s, she had zero plaque in her arteries. Wow. No plaque whatsoever and that means no coronary artery disease he got his done and even his fellow doctors were like well let's just for fun let's take a look because he didn't think there'd be any issue he's always had cholesterol of 170. Mm. he had a calcium score of 500 wow. which means he was on the verge of a major heart attack Good. and that was a very eye-opening moment for them but it may have saved his life getting wow. that test that's great and it just points out how looking at that cholesterol number has deceived him for so many years. But if you look at that actual calcium score, which is a pretty cheap test, it's maybe a hundred bucks mm. at most places. 
you get the scan done and you know for sure whether you've got a problem or if you're you're good for next 10 years if you eat right so what would be like some uh, practical implementations or how to improve those kind of biomarkers um it depends on what you're looking for you know if a if you go through those uh you know crp uh getting rid of grains and sugar and those uh, processed carbohydrates all those seed and uh, vegetable oils that can cause inflammation, all those things will lower your CRP, mm. your, your uh, inflammation. A1C, it's all about blood sugar control. Mm -hmm. So it's all about, you know, limiting carbohydrates to keep your, keep from getting those spikes in blood sugar, uh, which has all the other benefits of being a ketogenic diet. You don't get those crashes in the afternoon, yeah. uh, your, your moods, moods stay stable. Your, your energy is high. You, uh, don't get those cravings. Um, so there's all those benefits as well, but that, that's how you get your A1C lowered. And then, uh, for calcium score, if you do have higher calcium, uh, my suggestion would be to make sure you're getting enough vitamin D mm -hmm. and, you know, primarily from the sun. Uh, you know, you can take supplements in the winter to, to help out when you can't get the exposure you need, mm. but you know, common sense, sun exposure in the summer, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day, getting all that vitamin D, uh, cholesterol sulfates that are made in the skin, only in the skin from the sun that are, have huge health benefits. Mm -hmm. Uh, getting that right is a, is a very big step. And then also getting enough vitamin K2. Mm. Uh, MK7 form of K2 is uh, uh, K2 is not like K1 for which primarily a blood clotting uh, vitamin. K2 is uh, it regulates calcium metabolism, okay. so it gets calcium where it needs to be in the bones and keeps it out of plaque, keeps it out of you know kidney stones. It keeps the calcium from accumulating where it shouldn't be. Mm. So getting a good dose of vitamin K2, some studies have shown you can reverse that plaque buildup wow. in the arteries by mobilizing it and getting it to the bones where it should be. Mm. And you know, like the most, most common advice would be to drink more dairy or add some, <laughs> add some more cheese to it. But if you look at the data, then it's also like, the Western population is consuming the most dairy in the world, but we also have the most bone fractures. And exactly. And that, that is a very good point. Most people get enough calcium in their diet, even if they don't eat a lot of dairy. Mm. The problem is not getting enough K2, which get, gets the calcium where it needs to go. Um, K2 is found in uh, organ meats. Um, it's found in naturally fermented vegetables, which mm. a lot of people don't naturally ferment anymore using like the lacto fermented or those yeah. kind of fermented vegetables. Um, so, and, and a lot of people don't eat organ meat anymore. So they're not getting the K2 uh, they need. So you can either supplement or start in, in integrating some of those foods in your diet. Liver is an amazing food amazing, yeah. across the board for nutrition, incredible nutri nutrient density, and also has K2 that you need as well. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Like the most precious source of meat is uh, something that is, you know, frowned upon by most, most uh, yeah. or the average person. I feel like liver and onions. The ketogenic diet is like very effective for weight loss and uh, diabetes, but some people can't seem to lose, lose weight on, on keto. So can you tell me what's the difference between like being in ketosis 
losing weight and uh, burning fat? You know, what's the difference between those? Yep. Um, so a lot of our clients, they feel so good and stop having, they're able to stop all these medications they're taking and they start seeing reversal of diseases like Crohn's or colitis or eczema or, you know, all these things that are plaguing them, they see that reverse. And so for most of our clients, they heal first and feel amazing. And so the weight loss is just a bonus. Mm. And so that's what we usually see with our clients with this lifestyle when you have a properly formulated ketogenic diet. And what that is, um, you know, it's not just keeping carbs low, uh, but there's, if you look at, we prescribe a, a kind of paleo-like whole food type of diet. So you can't just cut the carbs and put a bunch of processed chemically foods in, in their place that are just low in carb. Mm. I think to properly heal, you want to get some quality whole, you know, comp, complete animal proteins with, you know, they're well-sourced, you know, grass-fed, organic, if you can get it, that helps a lot. Mm. But also... I think in general, there's kind of, the, you know, the high fat, low carb is kind of the moniker that's get, given to keto in some, some places. And I think that's a little bit misleading in that if weight loss is your goal and healing, the high fat part, if, mm -hmm. if you've already got a lot of body fat on your body, your body is high fat. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. diet, the diet doesn't need to be. Yeah. And so if you keep the carbs low, you hit your protein goal. So based on your lean mass, you make sure you get enough amino acids to, to maintain that lean mass and not lose any muscle. Yeah. So hit your protein goal. Then you, fat becomes kind of a lever, right? Yeah. If you, if you want to lose more, use, use up the body fat you have, lower your dietary fat down yeah. and you're still eating or your body is, your metabolism is high fat. It's just using some from the diet, some from the body. Yeah. Um, and then if you need to maintain or gain weight, then you just move the fat up. Yeah. So it, it kind of simplifies things that way. Yeah, it's true. Like fat is fuel, whether you're carrying it around on your body or you're getting it from your foods, you know, the, 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 there's not much difference between ketones you get from the food or, or the ones you don't get. Yep. And that, that's a popular misconception too, is that, you know, ketone is your food, your fuel, right? And when you're keto. The ketones that are generated, um, the whole cycle is, is kind of interesting. You, if you have an adipose site, an adipose site is like a cell that holds your fat, okay? Mm -hmm. The fat is stored in there in a trig triglyceride molecule. A triglyceride molecule is three free fatty acid molecules linked together by a glycerol molecule. Mm -hmm. What happens when it comes out of that adipose site, the glycerol is cleaved or pulled off, now you have three free fatty acids that go into the bloodstream and can be burned directly in your muscle as fuel. Mm. They don't have to be turned into ketones. You can burn free fatty acids directly. Mm. And then glycerol, that goes to the liver and three glycerol molecules make a glucose molecule. So that provides some of the glucose that your body needs. There's like 50, 60 grams of glucose a day that your body needs to survive. There's parts of the brain, the neurons, parts of the heart that can only run on glucose, not mm -hmm. fat or ketones. Mm -hmm. So that just burning body fat, you're producing a little glucose and a bunch of fat to fuel your whole body. 
Mm. And then some of that free fatty acid goes to the liver and is turned into ketones to help supply the brain and other uh, par mainly parts of the brain that can't burn fat for fuel. They can only burn ketones or glucose. Mm -hmm. So your body kind of has this all packaged up in that adipose site is everything you need to supply your body with fuel. It's pretty elegant. Yeah, it's quite amazing. Like even even at the state of zero carbohydrates, you're still, your body still finds a way to um, produce the necessary fuel yeah. it needs. I, yeah, I, it can use it from the glycerol, but and it can also gluconeogenesis. It can take some protein either from the diet or from. It's one of those uh, scary words people use on keto, like we do not speak his name. If you yeah. eat too much protein, then gluconeogenesis is gonna kick you out of ketosis. Well, yeah, and that's I address that in the the misconceptions part. It's uh, you really for the vast majority of people. Um, you have to eat a lot of protein to significantly affect. Uh, your your blood glucose levels mm -hmm. and <clears throat> excuse me the gluconeogenesis is mainly a a, a demand driven process which means if your blood glucose gets too low it turns on to supply some more glucose to get it to where so it doesn't dip too low mm -hmm. that's main its main purpose if you get very high levels of protein in the diet it will start turning some of that into uh, glucose because there's excess, but excess to most people is, you know, 150, 200 grams of protein in one sitting, and and yeah. most people are never going to eat that much. Yeah, and and the, like you mentioned, gluconeogenesis is driven by demand, not supply, which which means like yeah. if you will do, you will convert protein to sugar only if your body feels the need to, and and for instance, if you're on a non-ketogenic diet that doesn't put you into ketosis then every every moment of caloric restriction is a moment of demand in a sense that your body is running low on glucose and it needs to find yeah. some glucose to maintain its energy and then it's going to convert your muscle tissue into exactly. glucose so especially yeah. at night right yeah. and you think about somebody's a sugar burner they eat their last meal at seven eight o'clock at night and they don't eat another one till eight nine o'clock the next morning now that's 12 13 hours where the body's got to fuel itself and it's a sugar burner, not a, you know, your body can't switch from primarily burning sugar to primarily burning fat quickly. Yeah. That's why there's this keto adaption phase of, you know, four to six weeks for your body to really get used to burning fat as its primary fuel. Yeah. But what happens is a sugar burner at night, your body runs out of fuel. And so it's got to start, like you said, start cannibalizing lean tissues and things for turning it into glucose to make fuel. Mm. And guess what? The sheath of our bones is primarily made of, it, it's saturated fat, but it's also protein. Mm. And so what happens is at night when you're sleeping as a sugar burner, it's using some of that protein to make glucose to fuel the body because you're running out. That is what le can lead to all this osteoporosis. You get these bones that are... Yeah. Uh, brittle and you know kind of holy because they've been cannibalized for their protein like these crash diets that uh, doesn't put you into ketosis they're like practically starvation states for your body yeah. and, and people they actually look they look drained exhausted frail you know baggy eyes those kind of things they're it's quite quite scary to actually think about it yeah it is and and that's one of the great things about this lifestyle is that it kind of breaks you out of that cycle mm. so you know the one of the big 
reasons this lifestyle is so helpful is that it controls your hormones and controlling those hormone levels, supplying enough cholesterol and saturated fat to, to have that substrate to make a lot of healthy hormones. Um, but getting those and then balancing out your glucose, your insulin levels are balanced and, and fairly stable. That creates a situation in your body where those cravings go away and you don't feel that state that you just described. You, you actually get the opposite because you know, you can only store about 1500 to 2000 calories in glycogen in your muscle and your liver from glucose. So glucose has a fairly small storage capacity. Fat, even a lean athlete that's 10% body fat will have 20 or 30,000 calories stored in their fat storage. So this tank that we have in our fat storage is kind of endless in that respect. And so when you are able to tap that or prime that fat storage to be used as fuel, you never get those dips and lulls and you never feel that starvation mode kind of feeling. Which actually kind of makes the ketogenic diet one of the healthiest ways of losing body fat without, without the cannibalization. Exactly. Cause we, it, it, there's been several studies that have shown that the ketogenic diet actually protects lean mass mm -hmm. because uh, I think part of it is because you're using all this fat for fuel now, which frees up all this glycerol that can be turned into glucose to be so that your body doesn't have to cannibalize protein. Uh, but also your thyroid slows down a bit, which slows down your metabolism a little bit, which helps you to, uh, preserve lean mass as well. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it definitely is a protective for, for, for the lean mass. It's, it's great for body composition because it's protective for lean mass while tapping and priming the fat stores to be, uh, freed up to be used as fuel. That, that's quite interesting. Like you said, you said that it slows down the, the thyroid and it's actually beneficial. Yeah. Um, there's actually a, an article and I can share it with you if you want to put it in the show notes. Um, from Dr. Finney, uh, Dr. Stephen Finney, he's uh, one of the, he's been doing keto, ketogenic research since the 70s, kind of one of the founders of ketogenic diets in general. Um, but he had an article he recently posted about it. Um, you know, you will see some people out there that say you, some people need extra carbohydrates to, because of thyroid uh, the, being too slow. He shows the research that shows you're actually becoming your cells become more sensitive to T3 and more sensitive to the thyroid hormones. And so it needs less and slows down and slowing down is a good thing, right? Having a really fast thyroid isn't good for longevity and health in general. But he says a quote in this article, which I think is great, uh, increasing carbs to force your thyroid to produce more hormones makes about as much sense is taking a type 2 diabetic and giving them more carbs to make their uh, th pancreas put out more insulin. Mm. It doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Uh, he says it's to him, it's, a, it's an equivalent. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Like you don't want to have like a very fast metabolism because in, yeah. in nature, that would mean that you would have to be consuming so many calories that yeah, you would be in, in, in danger of uh, you know, dying. Exactly. Starving. And, you, and it's aging, you know, it, it, having a high thyroid level is aging to yeah, the body. I've also, you know, started to notice that um, 
even though you might experience a small drop at your metabolic rate after you transition over to keto, it's still not, or or it's still you know a good thing in the sense that it uh, promotes your longevity and uh, overall health. Exactly, and and I actually talk in here about the kind of three stages of being keto. Uh, in the first two or three days, you start showing higher blood ketone levels, but you may not feel that energy boost. You may even feel a dip in energy, like you like you said. Uh, and it takes about four to six weeks to bring that up. Well, what's happening is your body's actually making more mitochondria, um, burning glucose as a primary fuel in the cells is a very easy fuel to burn. It's hard. It's a little harder to burn fat, right? But the body makes more mitochondria. And this is a, a lot of the Bullock and Finney studies show this after four to six weeks performance equals out because the body's made more mitochondria and now can burn more fat more efficiently. And the, you end up with a, uh, equaling the, the point you were as a sugar burner in performance. Um, and then that continues with time as well, because there was another Volokhinfanti study that showed after one year of being keto, these athletes were still so still showing improvements in performance and metabolism. So it's, you're, you're constantly kind of, you know, it's this, it, this is a lifestyle. It's not a quick fix diet, right? You, you're going to see improvements with time that get better and better. And, uh, so you want it to be a lifestyle. Mm. And it's also like the more, the longer you do the keto, the keto thing that then uh, like the more flexible you become in a sense as well. Like, uh, you, you can actually reach a point where you can use both carbs and fat to some degree w without getting kicked out of ketosis or that or you, you get kicked out of ketosis but you don't lose your keto adaptation in, in a sense um there may be some athletes that might want to leverage that for performance issues um but it definitely isn't needed in in you know in a non-athlete non just somebody who's trying to lose weight or whatnot you definitely don't need to add carbs for sure. Mm, that's that's true. Yeah, like there are many applications for the ketogenic diet. But uh, mm -hmm. you you mentioned that uh, the, the hormones they play a huge role in uh, overall weight loss and uh, your overall health as well. So like um, there's a lot of uh, problems regarding like estrogen and testosterone and and uh, the foods that you eat. Can you? Can you talk us about how what 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 do you do mention in your book about these topics? Yeah, um, my uh, wife Maria actually wrote that chapter on hormones. She's kind of the hormone expert. But yeah, there's um, what we tried to do is I'm just pulling up my copy here on my computer. Uh, we we wanted this chapter to kind of walk you through all the ho hormone master hormones in your body and be detailed in how describing what that hormone does uh what are some indications that your that hormone's out of whack you know if it's if it's uh your testosterone's low you're going to see these things and then having uh information about how what things you can do to boost it what foods you can eat what you know supplements you can take if that if they're appropriate um so we, she's just she she wrote an entire book on uh, moods and hormones uh, a while back uh, and she's definitely an expert on hormones okay yeah but can you 
give us some examples of, uh, let's say, what what what's what leads to estrogen dominance or maybe low testosterone? Oh, sure. Uh, estrogen dominance is a very common one we see among women and actually men too. Mm. So there are a ton of foods that can cause increased estrogen. Um, and this is something that is kind of uh, not well known or recognized in the keto community as well. Um, there are foods like soy, mm -hmm. uh, flax seeds, chia. They are very estrogenic. They have uh, phytoestrogens, which mimic estrogen in the body. Mm -hmm. um, and so eating those kind of foods will increase your estrogen levels and be, help and lean you towards being estrogen dominant. There's also uh, a big consideration that needs to be taken in everything you put on your skin. Um, makeups and perfumes and things, these can have compounds in them that also uh, lead to estrogen dominance and you know, everything you put on your skin gets absorbed just like you put it in your mouth if you leave it on. Um, and that's a big component too that we try to talk about in the book is you have to address those things too and get those chemicals off your skin as well. Um, there's also things like plastics. You know, if you heat in a microwave or something with plastic, those plastics when they're heated can also release compounds that uh, mimic estrogens in the body. Mm. So there's a lot of ways you can become estrogen dominant. And, you know, so getting all these plastics and flax seeds and all these things out of your diet, uh, going keto, getting uh, those hormones back in balance is, is important for estrogen dominance. And, and it, like I said, it also can hand, happen with men. Mm. One thing that happens when you consume alcohol is it reduces testosterone and ups, can up, up your estrogen levels. And so uh, that beer belly, that location of where you're storing that fat is many times due to estrogen dominance. So it's kind of an estrogen belly, if you will. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it there. Yeah. And it comes to show like that it's not just, just the food that you eat. You're also like exposed to many other toxins in your environment, like the air, water, you know, yes. met heavy metals, those kinds of things. They all play a huge role. They do. And your environment in general does. And you think about going back to, you know, think about what, how we live today in a, a typical person's life versus how we lived in our hunter-gatherer days. Our environment has drastically changed. Yeah. Today, we're never really cold or too cold or too hot. You've got heating and air conditioning in your home. There's also, we never come in contact with the earth. Yeah. I mean, you think about how you know paleo ancestors walked around barefoot or with leather so leather you know on, underneath their feet that connect them to the earth. Now we wear rubber sole shoes that do not conduct electricity, and you don't get that grounding to the earth. Which you know we talk a little bit on the end of this book about some of those benefits. And then there's the sun. Mm. You know we we have villainized again, kind of like our nutrition guidance in the past how many years. I talk in here in this book about how we villainize sunlight exposure due to the cancer risk, but uh, sunscreen use has gone up like 5,000% in the past 30 years, and yet skin cancer still skyrockets. And so maybe it's something else, right? You know, maybe it's 
the vegetable oils that we're getting in our diet and all this refined carbohydrates that are causing imbalances in our skin. No need now. The verdict is in. It turns out like there are so many things to pay attention to, not just the ketogenic diet or or your nutrition, but you know the environment in general. So what would be like some practical tips to starting not just a keto lifestyle, but let's say a holistic health lifestyle? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because all these things I'm mentioning don't cost anything, mm. right? Getting outside, getting some sunlight, getting, taking your shoes off and grounding to the earth a little bit. Uh, another big one is circadian rhythms. We're finding that circadian rhythms link to so many things. And again, I think this is back to hunter-gatherer days. We, got, we didn't have roofs over our head necessarily, and we got sunlight at a certain time of day and we didn't get sunlight at a certain time of the day and that our bodies really cued off of those signals. Well, today we have computers and TV screens and this, you know, in indoor lighting that is constantly bombarding us with light that um, is really messing up with our rhythms. It can lead to sleep issues. You know, one of the things that you can do is you can buy blue blocking glasses, which block out the blue light in the evening. So yeah, and, and what happens is uh, there's a the SCN of the brain gets a signal from the eye that when blue light is present, it uh, stops producing melatonin. Mm -hmm. Melatonin is kind of your natural sleep hormone. When you bl block out the blue light, which would naturally happen when the sun set, all of a sudden this SCN starts to produce melatonin and starts to get you to a, a state of sleep that helps you sleep. When you're sitting in front of a TV until 10 o'clock at night, you're bombarded with blue light or your iPhone or whatever it is. And so you're, you're disrupting that natural rhythm that occurs. Um, so that can lead to a lot of things, less sleep, you know, a lot of different mood issues and whatnot. So balancing out your rhythms with, with some blue blocking glasses in the evening, you know, getting some sunlight during the day, uh, those can go a long ways. And then of course, diet, uh, reducing the eating more quality meat, uh, foods and then reducing the carbohydrates in your diet um, can really go a long way to helping you heal. Mm. Yeah, we kind of, all these tips, they were kind of all pointed at the body and your, and your physiology, but let's say what would be something to improve someone's mind as well? Uh, yeah, and I think this is maybe where the exercise chapter comes in, you know, Exercise can be great for improving moods, for improving, you know, your stamina, your energy, your health, uh, those little movements, you know, and it doesn't have to be, you know, on a treadmill for two hours a day, you know, I don't even, I don't think that's good for anybody, but, you know, doing some resistance training, even if it's just, you know, push-ups, pull-ups, trying to uh, use your own body resistance, Getting some strength training in is so key to keeping that lean mass, keeping you lean and strong as you age. Um, and also, uh, there's other things like yoga, you know, that can be really useful. Uh, again, for the mind as well, you know, getting, just taking that time where you disconnect, you don't have your phone dinging away with messages and emails and whatever, you know, you just disconnect from all of that and take a moment, you know, an hour long class just to kind of, reflect and, and 
you know, let your mind go at ease a bit, I think that can be very beneficial as well. And of course, yoga is great for flexibility and a lot of other things. Mm, yeah, true. Like it's the body and the mind. They're so yeah. connected and interdependent. Definitely. So, Craig, I've, been, I've enjoyed talking to you over this uh, past hour. And uh, where can people learn more about you and your future projects? Well, thank you, Sim. I had a great time talking too. Uh, you know, we have a couple sites. Uh, MariaMindBodyHealth.com is our blog. Lots of free recipes and nutritional information and everything out there. We also have a support site called Keto-Adapted.com. It's a subscription site where you can uh, make your own meal plans and grocery lists. Uh, and also, you can even attend at certain levels a weekly webinar with Maria and I. So we answer everybody's questions on a live webinar every week. Uh, so that's out there as well. And then, of course, we're on social media, uh, Keto Adapted on Facebook, and then just our names, Maria Emmerich or Craig Emmerich on Instagram or Twitter. What about the upcoming book? When, when, when can people expect it? Yes, we, have, we actually have two books coming out. <laughs> uh, January 2nd is one called Easy Dairy-Free Ketogenic Recipes. So this, you know, we find that cutting out dairy helps a lot of clients as well in their healing and weight loss, especially in the beginning. So this book is entirely dairy free. Uh, so tons of recipes in there. Uh, and then this keto book that we've been discussing, that comes out January 9th. Mm, okay. So yeah, definitely people can uh, kickstart their health goals with with this uh, new book and I'm definitely, yep, definitely. I'm definitely you know the, the keto book gives you all the tools to understand what you're doing and why and the, the easy dairy free gives you all the recipes to do it <laughs> yeah well thanks greg once again for coming on to the show and uh, i wish you, Thank you i wish you like a good best-selling uh, another bestseller let's hope, let's hope for it and uh, <laughs> all the best in all your other projects as well all right, thank you. It was great talking. If you want to support this podcast, then make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and other social media platforms. If you're interested in starting the well-formulated ketogenic diet and to tackle your health goals for this year, then you should definitely check out my program, Keto Fit. It has a 30-day meal plan with exact macronutrients of what you should eat, a five-week workout routine, and a ton of other bonuses. Make sure you like, subscribe, notification bell as well. My name is Seem. Stay keto adapted, stay empowered.